today as we continue our series, Juicy Fruit. Can you say that? Juicy Fruit. And you'll turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, gives us nine fruits of the Spirit. We started this series last week on love. Nine words to describe the outward visible signs of the inward qualities that the Spirit of God is doing inside of us. And, and the Apostle Paul just gets done talking about the works of the flesh and says, but, comes off of that and says, but, now this is a big but, I want you to know that, are you with me? This is a big but, it's a big but, it's a good one, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Juicy fruit. I'm so excited I can't get my words out today. Juicy fruit. So today we're talking about joy. Can somebody say joy? We can be people, in spite of the things that are going on around us, to have joy. We can have joy under pressure. And so today I want to talk about joy up. Ackerman up, that you'd say, you see this, that we can be, have joy under pressure pressure in our lives. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 as I go in and talk about this a little more today on joy. Chapter 4, verse 1, the reminder is, as you're turning there, is that this book was written by the Apostle Paul in prison. He is a man that is under pressure as he is writing to this church in Philippi. And he says, therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and my crown." So he is talking to this church as he's talking to this church today. He's saying, you're my brothers, you're my sisters. I love you guys. I long to be with you again. Then he calls them my joy, my crown, and he tells them to stand firm. He is just encouraging this church. And I just want to say to all of us that are here this weekend, um, you know, it's amazing as we get to come that I just want to thank all of those from our parking to our lobby to our first impression teams to our kids ministry, all the volunteers who did an amazing job last weekend for VBS. They did absolutely amazing. What a weekend. Thank you. Awesome. Our student ministry uh, this week as they went away to camp, and Pastor Mike survived that camp and uh, had a great time, and, and all that's taking place now, our media, our worship, all throughout our campus, our men, our women's ministry, all of those, that, are, it's, that they are creating an amazing atmosphere for you and I to be together and, you know, they welcome us, they greet us, they wipe our babies' butts while we sit in here. This is amazing. Amen? They come together. They do their very best week in and week out so that you and I can be in here and focus our attention on worshiping God. Now, that is amazing, and I want us to give a great big hand clap to each and every single one of them. Amen? Yes. It's amazing. They do that so you and I can come in here and focus our attention on God. That we get to come in here, and let me tell you something, you, when you go on a team, it's a part of a family here, and we want to encourage you that there is a community, 
And there is growth and strength in that community here at Abundant Life Church. I hope you're found in community. Not just observation, but you are in participation in serving each other. And as you're doing that, you're serving the Lord. Listen, you get out of it what you put into it. How many of you are with me? You get out of it what you put into it. And so Paul is saying, I love you, my crown and my joy. And then verse 2, he starts to address some pressure. And he heads into this like this elephant in the room, I guess, as you look at this. And he said, I plead with you. Now, let's just use some common names. We know there's names inside of here. He's talking about real people. But I plead with you, Edith, and I plead with you, Sally, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And, and you know, we're not really sure of all that's going on with Edith and Sally. I urge you, my true companions, help these women. They've contended at my side, and they've been doing some great things. But something's going on now with Carl. I know it says Clement, but but something's going on with Carl, and he's involved with this too. And I don't know how Carl got involved, but and, and the rest of my co-workers. But somebody helped these guys, and there's some real tension that is going on here. Um, I don't know, you know, what, what could be the tension? Well, one could be Democrat, and one could be Republican. I don't know. I mean, some, some of you laugh. Others of you just got really tense inside. But, but listen, I think it's really stupid when we let our sides of Democrat and Republican divide us even in the body of Christ. Come on, church. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't get your angry face on. Come on. There's a different dynamic. You're Republican. You're Democrat. You're not even one of them. You're independent. I wrote you off a long time ago, right? I think it's stupid. Did you hear me? I think it's stupid when we allow these divisions even to get to the body of Christ. We can't even talk to one another. I disagree with your opinion. Regardless if you're Democrat or Republican or who is in the White House, my joy does not depend on who is in the White House every four or eight years. My joy doesn't depend on that. You know, they got in, they didn't get in. Oh, bloody, bloody, bloody. You and I have a new dynamic under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Right, man? That there's nothing as important as the kingdom of God. There's nothing. Hear me. This is a kingdom that is everlasting. We are citizens of heaven, and you know, by the way, this is God Bless America Week. We have so many things to be thankful for, uh, and we can have healthy discussions, agree and disagree, and, and you know, agree to disagree. I, I know that we're all different. We are first and foremost God's people, God's church, and we belong to heaven. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. What does he say? Rejoice. Come on, what does he say? Rejoice. Rejoice. He just doesn't say it once. He says it twice. He repeats himself in one verse. Rejoice. I say to you, rejoice. So he reminds them and he repeats it for emphasis. If you're taking notes, here's the first point. Rejoicing is your pushback against pressure. Rejoicing is your pushback against pressure. He comes out talking about pressure, people not getting along, and then he goes right into the verbiage of rejoice, and again, I say rejoice. Rejoicing is your pushback against the pressure of your life. Somebody shout pushback. 
Yeah, you got to have some pushback against the pressure of your life. Isn't that true? You know, a submarine, the people who build the submarine, build it in a way that is capable of withstanding the pressure of going into deep waters. The premise is to create a pressure within the submarine on the inside that pushes back against the external pressures that would try to otherwise crush it. It allows the submarine to go into high-pressure environments that would otherwise destroy it. Rejoicing keeps you strong inside when there's pressure on the outside. The word rejoicing means to make sounds or expressions of joy. That is what rejoicing means. So listen, if you are rejoicing on the inside only, you need to let your face and your mouth know that you're rejoicing on the outside. Right? Because you cannot just contain joy just inside of you. It has to come out of you. And that is what this word exactly means. That is, is an expression of joy. Like, woo, praise the Lord. That I, like you, feel the pressure on the outside of my life, going through circumstances on any given day, and I find myself most times in that moment saying, thank you, Lord, bless your name, I lift you up, I give you thanks that you're going to see me through this circumstance or this scenario. There has to be a pushback from the pressure that is against us. Joy is an intentional feeling. It's intentional. I read this last week. A woman wrote, uh, her husband accused her uh, of her husband accused her of her being moody. He actually bought her a mood ring. I mean, how do you, how many of you remember mood rings? Can I see your hand? You remember those? How many of you still own a mood ring? You do. Wow, not too many. I see those hands. So, so um, he he put them on. You put them on. He said the color would change based on what mood there you know you're in. And, so he bought her the ring and he pressured her to wear it so he could tell what mood she was in. And this is what she wrote. We've discovered that when I'm in a good mood, it turns green. Um, when I'm in a bad mood, it leaves a big red mark on his forehead. <laughs> and then she said, uh, maybe next time he'll buy me a diamond. <laughs> Rejoicing, it's not a mood it leads us to better feelings. But it begins as a decision and it is intentional and has to be intentional in our lives. Remember this when you're reading the writings of the Apostle Paul. He is the same Paul that was in a different jail with a friend named Silas. Paul spent a lot of time in jail because he preached the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, you can read the story in chapter 16 that him and Silas were in, in jail, his partner in ministry. They get thrown in jail. They get beaten first. And somewhere around midnight, when they got the shackles on their arms, in the silence of the quietness of the night, they sing to the Lord. And he starts singing. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. And then another voice comes in. And Silas joins him. And they're singing before the Lord, pushing back against the pressure. He not only writes about it, he practices what he preaches. Come on, I said he practices what he preaches. 
Come on, we need believers that practice what they preach in these days, amen? That you rejoice in spite of the external pressure, right? So I said he practices what he preaches. You just can't stay inside. I'm joyful. You got to get it out of you. He writes about his own experiences. He says, I'm going to rejoice, and you have to give an expression of thanksgiving. Listen, it takes courage to sing when you don't feel like singing. Amen? It takes courage to sing unto the Lord Jesus Christ when you don't feel like it. When you're going through a valley, when you're going through a difficulty, it takes courage to come in on Sunday morning, and you may feel a different way before you even got here. But when you get here, you sing unto the Lord that joyful song. Because why? Because you're being intentional with your decision to give the Lord praise and to give him glory. So you shouldn't be quiet when it comes to worshiping and praising the Lord. Amen? You can't be quiet. You can't just sit there and keep it in, keep your arms folded and keep it all contained because rejoicing means that it's intentional that you give it out on the outside. Singing something, singing to the Lord. I want to tell you anyone who's trying to do anything significant and anything great, you're going to face pressure. If you're a person who has dreams and you want to do something extraordinary, you are going to face pressure. It's going to happen. The only way to get through it is you're going to have to have an internal pushback against the external pressure. Are you hearing me today? You're going to make it, but you just can't moan and groan with all the pressures when it's midnight in the jail cell, but you feel something stir inside of you and you start to rejoice. You've got to find a song. You've got to find some words. You've got to find a way to push back. Come on, church. You've got to find a way to push back against the pressure. There's so much pressure. There's, there's parents working to make their families great, to pay the bills, working a job, raising your kids. There, there's single moms here. I'm not even sure how you do it all. You're, you're raising the kids by yourself. And, and today you got up and you got your kids ready and, and you got them here to church and you put them in the car and you got them here so you could praise the Lord. Come on, they deserve something, amen? Come on, let's help people out like that. Come on, amen, that you're going to make it. There's so much pressure. If you're an artist working on a song, an entrepreneur growing a business, I don't know. I'm just telling you, any time you try to go deep, any time you, you start to elevate, any time you start to pursue what God's put in your heart, there will be pressure. And learning to rejoice under pressure is part of the pushback. Somebody shout pushback. You got to push back. There is pressure. On this Freedom Week, we celebrate our freedom as a nation, and there's another kind of freedom, and that's what I'm talking about today, and that's what this chapter, even of Galatians, talks about. If you read that whole chapter through in this whole book, that, that's the freedom from spiritual oppression. And that oppression comes no matter your age. It strips you of your confidence. It's bondage where circumstances start getting into your attitude and they start demanding you to look at life a different way. There's a man named Viktor Frankl, a famous Austrian neurologist, a psychiatrist, and he was a prisoner of war in a Nazi concentration camp. And he's very prolific as a writer and communicator. You maybe have read some of his material about the power of the mind when you're going through the worst of dynamics in life. He lived through these horrific conditions that were designed to crush his spirit, designed to crush his will to live. And here's what he said. 
The last of human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Let me say that again. The last of human freedoms is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances that you are going through. You, you still have freedom if you're walking in chains back to the same field that you left yesterday and you go back into your bunk that you slept in last night and you hear the guards scream at you with their abusive language and you're walking in lines out to the same field and you're grabbing a tool like a pickaxe and the handle's half broken off. This is what life was like for him. But because of his analysis, he brought back these very amazing truths to let us know, even as the apostle Paul has said, he is right on that the human spirit has the capability to be stronger if we just guide our thoughts and guide our attitudes and nobody is gonna strip me the opportunity to choose my attitude on any given moment. You and I get to choose through the word of the Lord to live a life of hope and to rejoice in him. That you and I have to make the choice to rejoice. We have to make the choice to rejoice. The choice to rejoice is not to escape pressure, but to empower you when you are under pressure. The Apostle Paul was not assuming that just to have joy was, we're just going to have an escape vow. We're going to escape reality. This is not escaping that. If the tire is flat on your car, change the tire. Don't stand around and say, the tire is not flat, but God is great. Right? Change the tire on your car. Right? You have to choose but some people do that. Well, the tire's flat, but yeah, God, you're just so great. No, listen, you can't sit and live in denial. Joy is about being empowered. It's about being empowered. It's about being empowered when you're under pressure. Rejoicing makes you stronger under pressure. Jesus said in the world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. You're going to have trouble, but you need to joy up. Why? It makes you stronger when you're facing trouble. It makes you stronger when life is hard. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and by supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What makes you feel anxious? The anxiety is the pressure that you feel comes against your life. But I'm talking about pushing back against that. I'm saying you don't fold up. You don't have to let it dictate your attitude. You don't have to let it dictate your mind. You and I get to choose to rejoice. So notice the Apostle Paul, he's saying, do not be anxious for anything, comma. I said, do not be anxious for anything, comma, comma, not a period. And I will tell you why. If I say to you, do not think about yellow balloons, and I just leave it right there, what are you going to think about? Right. Do not think right now about a pink elephant. Right? But when you say to yourself, I'm not going to worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. I will not worry. For some of you, anxiety is getting on an airplane. Some of you, the moment you're thinking, oh man, I'm gonna have to get on an airplane. And in the moment that's brought up and you're not even on the airplane yet, you have anxiety, right? Some of you right now, Monday is on the way and it's only Sunday and you're already freaking out about Monday, right? 
You get anxiety about Monday on Sunday. Wow, that's a bad thing, right? Some people have social anxiety. And I just want to say for just a moment, and I mean this, thank you to everyone that comes early and stays late, to everyone who, who doesn't hurry out the door. I want to say thank you as a pastor here, say thank you that when you come in late and you leave early, you miss out on the opportunity of community. And I don't know about you, we need one another in community. We do need each other. When you do that, you joy up. Maybe you're a mom and you imagine the worst about your children all the time. Oh my goodness, don't leave the house because I'm thinking the worst about what's gonna happen. Here's my point. Do not be anxious about anything. That's not a period, but in every situation, whatever Yours is by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. So when I, when I say to you, um, do not think about yellow balloons, but think about red balloons and think about orange balloons. What have I just done? I've taken you somewhere where automatically your mind can shift to something other than a yellow balloon. That's why the comma is there instead of the period. That's why there's a comma there that it's not end of the sentence. And there are several commas in that sentence. And the point of it is to give thanks and rejoice. So when you're getting ready on that next trip, you're getting ready to get on an airplane. And, and if that's your anxiety, do not talk about, oh, how scared you are and how nervous you are. And then when you sit down on the plane, you're, I'm freaking out. I, this thing, I'm really scared. And aren't you scared? I mean, aren't you guys scared? Don't do that, Okay. That's not living in, in denial, you know, that it's escapism. Rather, by prayer, and, and, and listen, I think a good majority of Christians pray wrong. I think a good majority of Christians pray wrong. They don't pray the Bible way. Most people, when they pray, they pray their anxiety. And they put a period there instead of a comma. So if you put the period there, that's not of God that you ended with your anxiety, that you ended with your problem, period, but that in Christ that you put a comma in there and that's how you're going to live according to God's word. Prayer, all prayer is not good prayer. I just wanna let you know that. Some people think, well, I prayed today. Well, what did you pray? Did you pray God's word or did you pray negativity? Because some people just exaggerate exaggerate and accentuate the problem, and you might as well be talking to somebody else than the almighty creator of the universe. Come on, the Bible way to pray is to make your request known. God, I wanna have a safe flight today, and I wanna arrive safe over there with my family, and we're gonna have a great time, so I thank you right now that you've got angels encamped about this plane, and they are surrounding me on this journey, and I wanna thank you, God, and, and uh, thank you, God, that you're giving me peace right now. And then what the writer goes on to say, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your heart. Wow. That all these things lead to one another on the fruits here. It's amazing. It will guard your heart because it will transcend your understanding. It, because why? It will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus when you pray with a spirit of faith and an attitude of confidence. Listen, if you don't like the outcome you've been getting, then change the way you are praying today. Amen? Listen, if you, if you won't pray the problem, then you've got, you got to pray about God's protection. Then that's what we should do. Pray about God's provision. Pray about his promises. And that God is always with my children. And the mighty hand of God is upon my family. And, and that we are on our way home. Somebody needs to shout pushback. Yeah, you need to have pushback. 
I want you to try that this week. That when you feel the external pressure coming upon you, there has to be a pushback rather than accepting what could be the devastating consequences on your life. There has to be an inner pushback through the word of the Lord in your circumstances. So I want you to try that. And so that's the key right here Paul's talking about. Verse 8. And I don't have time to break these all down, but these are great, as you know. Here's the thing. He keeps going. Think on these things. He's continuing the sentences. Here's what you want to do. You want to have joy. You need to think on these things. Things that are true and things that are noble, that are just, that are pure, that are lovely, that are of good report. If there's any virtue in any praiseworthy thing, meditate on these things. You must give yourself. I want you to hear this today, church. You must give yourself to faith. You must give yourself to the word of the Lord in your life. You have to give yourself to it. You have to give yourself to it. You have to say, I am going to live in that realm. I'm not going to live in the negativity realm. I'm going to live in the realm that God has called me to live in because if I do, then he says I will have joy and I will have peace. You have to live there. You have to meditate on those things. So you have to give yourself. So you have to retrain your mind for God's thoughts. I said you have to retrain your mind for God's thoughts. There's a story in the Bible, the people of God who after hundreds of years in exile, they're returning to their homeland to find the city of Jerusalem in complete ruins burned to the ground. They worked hard to rebuild the city, to rebuild the temple, to establish a government based on their cultures and values. Their hard work was paying off. And the leaders came together and said, in spite of this, the spirit of the people is down. Even though we're making progress, even though we're rebuilding the city and our economy, we've got to to do something about this mourning and this heaviness that people have in their minds. And so what they did is they proclaimed a national holiday. And they literally took the people and they said, listen, no more mourning, no more grieving. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, if you'll look at that, this is what he said. Nehemiah got up, the leaders called the people together. This is a national holiday. And here's what he said in 8.10. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Can you say strength? If you think, you know, that means that I, you think, man, that just seems mean. That just seems like a terrible thing for him to say in there, that they are mourning and they're grieving. But, but if you think about that, that's what you say many times throughout the week to your children and grandchildren. Get that look off your face. Stop pouting, right? We see that heaviness that they're, that they're carrying and we exhort them to stop pouting to be thankful and to be grateful that we are going to have a good day today. How many of you told your kids that? I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've told my kids that. We're about ready to go out into this day, and we're going to have a good day, right, kids? How many of you done that in the car? We're about ready to go to our friend's house, and we're going to have a good day. But when mama turns around in the car, <laughs> it's a, you know, watch out. Right? We're going to have a good day today. Come on, you need to change your attitude and you need to change your perspective about life. Things are going to change. Things are going to change. And this is amazing. 
And here's what it is. Basically, these leaders are talking to aren't even kids, they're adults. And they said, let's not, let, let's not just take responsibility for building our city physically. Get this into your spirit. Uh, let's take the responsibility emotionally and for the spiritual health of our city. Let's stop grieving and be in a mourning culture that we have to realize God has placed us in this city for a reason and a purpose. We were in slavery. Church, I'm going to remind you something today. If you don't rejoice in anything else, you and I were once slaves to sin. Come on. This is what Nehemiah is telling him. Listen, way back there, we were in exile. We were in Egypt. We were outcasts. People hated us. People want to kill us. But listen, we are no longer there. We were in captivity. We were in exile in a foreign land. But listen, we're home and we are headed towards the promised land. Church, we are no longer under slavery. Amen? That has been broken off of our lives. And so many believers are still grieving about the past when God says, I've given you the future, the promised land, so get out there and go take it. It's time for the people of God. Tell, let, me, let me share this with you. It's time for the people of God to rejoice in their city. Come on, it's time for the body of Christ to rejoice. Come on, get that spirit of mourning off you because God's never called you to live there. We're called to rejoice in this city. Come on. We're called to celebrate what God has done in and through our lives. So let's be people who rejoice and make our city a city of celebration. I think that's a good word for us, amen? Let's make our city a city of celebration. Let's be the atmosphere setters in our homes, in our workplace, in this community, in this state, and in this country, and in this nation. Let's be the thermostat. Let's set it. And we're going to set the temperature of the level of rejoicing and thanksgiving. So I'm encouraging you today as you go home, you need to joy up in your home. You need to joy up in your home. You may have come to the service fighting with your kids, fighting with the family, doing You need to leave this place and you need to joy up in spite of the circumstances. You need to joy up inside of your homes. We need there to be rejoicing again in homes. We need them to be rejoicing in marriages again. Come on, you lead the way. Come on, you lead the way. You're the body of Christ. Come on, we need to rejoice in our city again. Oh yeah, there's terrible things that we see that happens in the city of, the, uh, of our nation. We saw it again this last week, not too far from here. It doesn't negate and escape all the pain and the grief, but God says, listen, Rather than just sit and dwell on that, I want you to come and I want you to rejoice in me. And he said, I'll tell you again, I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why am I saying this? Why am I, why am I talking about joy up? Well, because joy leaks. Did you know that you, you and I leak? We leak. Joy leaks. Yeah, that's why we constantly have to be refueled. Refill with joy. Ephesians 5. But be filled with the Spirit. This is what we're talking about. This is the Spirit. This is not us trying to manipulate it. This is a work of the Spirit on the inside so that it gets on the outside. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another 
If you ever wondered how to speak to one another, if you ever wondered, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wow, that's how it says we're to relate to one another. So God's prescription is refill your joy often with the Holy Spirit because God's purpose for you is to fill others. That in this moment, I hope that you refuel together. I don't know about you, but Sundays is a refuel for me. This is a station of refueling. Come on, I hope you got that. If you don't, we're going to sing and worship unto the Lord. I pray that you just get your tank full as you get ready to go out into this community and you go spill out onto somebody else and uh, you refuel in the solitude of your devotional walk today and this week and that we can regain our joy. That you can say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Baptize me afresh today so that I'm equipped for every purpose that you have for me today and in this coming week. Listen, God knows on your job there are enough people to deflate your joy. So joy leaks. So you need to refuel every single day. Amen. So you need to joy up. Come on, you need to joy up, body of Christ. Come on, it's our job. That's our job. Refuel, refuel, refuel constantly. So we're going to worship the Lord. And so I pray that you would increase. You would be increased in the joy of your life when the external pressure comes against you to devastate you and destroy you, that there is more pressure in you, the hope of Christ in you, that will overcome the devourer that's trying to crush you. That's the promise of the world.